0: and good morning everyone welcome to education leadership and beyond surviving and thriving my name is andrew Morada, and welcome to show number 19 super excited this morning certainly leading in with that awesome country music uh but excited for our guest uh chief of police in port jervis bill warden is our guest today coming up in our next segment and He selected the music and uh, excited to have the Chief on today. I want to give a shout out to uh, my buddy Travis uh, in Port Jervis and one of my first listeners to the show, Kelly Bentley. She came by a couple weeks ago, got the book, uh, so we want to give them a shout out. I know they're tuned in on this Saturday morning. So pumped up for the show today. Again, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are on the following stations. Country 107.7, WDLC, 106.9, WYNY, and Wall Radio. On. 94.1, 94.9, 105.7, 106.1, all on the FM, 1340 AM, 101.5 HD2. And now week number two we're on Pocono 96.7 airing on Sunday morning so excited to uh, have that uh, listeners on those different stations and uh, excited about today's show so let's get started today's concept is uh, what's going on here on the radio this is show number 19 we've been at this for several months and I'm really enjoying it I'm, I'm liking being in the studio I'm liking the radio and i uh, I never I never knew what it was going to be like until I started doing it. But we're talking about leadership. We are talking uh, uh, about all things in in our lives. I've met some great people over the past few months uh, and we've talked to things about their lives, Uh, positive stories, useful information. Um, It's helped me put pen to paper and and get my creative juices going and, and really got me thinking about a lot of different things. And then I recently listened to a podcast and it had Larry King on there. Larry King was on or has been on the radio forever. I think uh, the world was uh, created and then Larry King was on the radio. Anyway, Larry King told a story about uh, when he was first starting out. He was in the studio. He was doing an overnight show. There was no one there. And I'll make a long story short. He gets a call from a woman with a beautiful, sexy voice. She calls him up, says, come on over. And uh, Larry puts a a record on. And I guess back in the day, they used to play whole records. He goes over there. He meets the woman. And uh, shortly after being with her, he hears the record skipping. And they realized he wasn't in the studio he ran back and he got it fixed and uh, you know he didn't get fired and went on to a great uh, show in radio Um, but Larry King talked about on the air that he is in 100% control when he is behind the the mic and in the studio and I heard him say that and I kind of hit pause on the on the uh, on on the podcast and I said man I've never had that in my life where I am in a vacuum. We all use that term of uh, being in a vacuum, and I've never had that. My life as principal, my life as a a parent, uh, my my life with my family, my life as a referee, I always have all these things coming at me from all different angles at all times of the day, all the time. And I've gotten pretty good at handling all those variables coming at me but life in the studio here, behind the mic, when I'm preparing for, for this show and, and to be on the radio, I'm 100% in charge of the content. I'm 100% in charge of, uh, of, of what's happening on this mic, and that's a good feeling. I like that feeling because I could have the show go wherever it I want. Now... Sometimes, if I'm talking to a guest or something could go wrong, and that would be a variable, but I don't think Chief Warden is going to throw anything crazy at me today. Um, but we're certainly going to have a great conversation. Um, but it got me thinking about my life and, and a lot of other people's lives. Uh, I wrote down my life as a principal, my world as a basketball referee, you know, and even comparing them to police work. Um, there are so many things that come at us in our daily lives and uh how do we respond to that how do we react to all of those things do we live in a very reactionary world or a proactive world obviously here in the studio uh, i got to be very proactive 100 percent, because i'm creating uh all the noise here um, but i did jot down some thoughts in preparing and reflecting on, upon today's show so what are some tips? What are some things that you can do in dealing with variables in your life? You know, I, I, again, I'm here in the in the studio. I, I got Gavin here behind the control panel. I mean, if lightning strikes and the thing goes down and uh, we have an issue in here, Gavin's going to take care of it. Uh, but other than that, you know, we're just we're just here in the studio in this vacuum in this uh, room with this padding and and nice and quiet. We're we're in the vacuum, but. I wanted to go over some points. What are some things you could do in your life in dealing with these variables that come up in your life, these things that pop up, these curveballs, which is what life is all about? What can you do? So, Evel, grab your pen. If you're home having your coffee, whether it's Saturday morning or Sunday morning, grab your pen and jot some of these down. I take the first one uh, from my book. If you've been listening to the show, you you've been you've been around. I, I did recently release a book in September called "The Principle: Surviving and Thriving." And uh, this is tip number ninety nine in the book is take a deep breath, take some think time. Again, coming up in the next segment, I have the Chief of Police, Bill Warden as our guest. sometimes police police officers don't have that opportunity to do that. You have to react very quickly, but a lot of times in our life, we can take some think time. So in in tip number 99, I write, "Use uh, use the line, I need some think time on that. People are constantly coming at you many times without even a greeting or a hello. It is all about their request or need and your need to answer immediately, but you are driving your bus. You are sailing your ship. Do not let people grab the wheel while you're driving. If you are in the middle of something in the hall or in the caf, tell them they need to wait a moment. If they ask you something that you are not sure of instantly, tell them, I need some think time on that. Have your pad with you and write down their request or concern. I also tell them, if I miss getting back to you, follow up with me in a day or two and say, hey, Mr. Principal, Did you have a chance to think about what we talked about last week? You do not have to answer people when they are ready. You have to answer people when you are ready. So that's one tip is to take a little think time. Number two, put it on your schedule. You have these variables coming up. You have things popping up. If you can't deal with it right there, put it on your schedule. And I write that uh, in uh, tip number 101. Have people make appointments to see you. You are not an emergency room. Unless, of course, you are listening and you do work in the emergency room. (laughs) But uh, this is where a good secretary can really help you. You need to determine what is an emergency and what is not. Most things that come up are not, so have people make an appointment to see you. This will slow people down, and it will stop so many things from coming at you. You are not a roadside stand that people can just stop by anytime they want. You can't just barge into your doctor's office and demand to see the doctor. It is the same deal with you. You are in charge of your schedule and your time is precious. So guard it and have people make appointments to see you. Another tip you could do, tip number three, you can answer people by rule uh, and be consistent, be consistent. Whatever it is in your life, whatever they're answering you by uh, or they're asking you, you can answer them With the phrase, well, by rule or by law or legally, uh, certainly in in the world of the police world or or refereeing, I, I like to use that line. By rule, this is what it is. Number four, you don't have to treat everyone the same. You don't have to give the same response. If you told one person yes, you might not have to tell the other person yes, but you don't have to treat everyone the same. You do have to treat people fairly. Uh, I'm no police officer, nor do I pretend to play one on TV, but in my experience in dealing with police officers, I've always had a pretty good uh, driving record. I know uh, if I've gone through a stop sign or possibly maybe one time have gone through a red light, not that I ever would, but I have, um, I've had the police officers say, Mr. Murata, you have a clean record, you know, don't do that again. And they've given me a pass. Whereas, if I had three tickets and and five outstanding warrants, I probably wouldn't get that. So again, that police officer is not treating me the same, he's treating me fairly. Number five, reorganize your schedule. If something pops up and it is an emergency and you're in the middle of something, you might have to move that down a priority list. So you're having people make appointments, you're putting things on your schedule, but if it's real important, you might have to uh, rearrange your schedule my secretary knows that if the superintendents call I, I need to take a break from what i'm doing and at least speak to them uh and then they'll determine whether or not i'll engage with them at that point number six it's not personal in the world i live in as principal and uh, as a father you know i try not to take things personal certainly sometimes it feels that way um, in the world of police i know sometimes they might feel it's personal but I'm hoping most times it's not. So put that in your wheelhouse that it's not personal towards you. Is it a chance it could be? Sure. But most times it's not. So don't take things personally. And lastly, have a proactive mindset. Have a positive mindset. So many of the things that we talk about on this program is trying to live a positive life and do things with a positive mindset. Uh, But have a proactive mindset. How can I handle this? How can I get through this? If not right now, when? Uh, And find solutions. You know, those are things that you have control over. Uh, I'm going to have my quote at the end of the show, but I'm going to give you a sneak preview Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Um, And that's certainly true with what we're talking about right now. So we are going to take a commercial break. I'm going to give a quick recap uh, later in the show, but we're talking about variables in our life and how we can handle those things as they pop up. Very excited. My guest coming up in the next segment, Chief of Police of Port Jervis City, is Bill Warden. He'll be up in our next segment. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We'll be right back with Chief Warden. And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 19, and my name is Andrew Murata. Thrilled to have Chief of Police in Port Jervis uh, on the radio today. Good morning, Chief Warden. How are you? Good.
1: Thank you. Good morning. And thank you for inviting me here to be with you this morning.
0: Thrilled uh, for you to be on, Chief. And uh, you and I have done so many projects together and and have and linked the police and uh, the school together in so many ways. So it's nice to be on the air with you. Chief, how, how long you've been uh, Chief uh, in Port Jervis?
1: Uh, I've been Chief now for 10 years and I've been serving as a police officer for 25. Wow.
0: So you and I have been in these leadership roles almost, almost parallel times. Um, what made you want to become a, a police officer, Bill? It,
1: it was always a dream of mine as a young child, actually. And um, growing up, I, I really admired police service and the sacrifices that police officers make. Um, so it was a, a dream that I pursued throughout my entire life. So
0: as a young boy, that was something that you knew that you wanted to do?
1: Absolutely. And did you have family
0: in your life that was in, in law enforcement that you looked up to as a, uh, as a kid? In
1: an immediate family, I'm actually the first one to join law enforcement. How about that?
0: Wow. I've had so many guests on, Chief, that, you know, they've looked at Coach Polanis was on last week. His dad was a football coach, and uh, um, that's incredible. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. You know, my brother is a police officer, uh, so I kind of inspired perhaps some service. My um, younger brother's a corrections officer, uh, so, and then my brother in laws are police officers, so that service now runs pretty heavy um, throughout our family.
0: Wow, so now you were the first one, and now you have it all in your family. Yes. Amazing. Uh, Chief, we talked in the opening segment about having a positive mindset and a proactive mindset. A lot of times, police officers unfortunately are dealing with negative situations, and I know you do a lot to try to counteract that. Um, but how do you keep a positive mindset at one, as yourself as chief, and then two,
1: amongst your staff? Well, there's no doubt, uh, serving as a police officer is a difficult job, and um. You know you you see a lot of things you some mostly you see the worst of society unfortunately But on the other hand you do see the the greatest aspects of society and you have to really focus on the the positive side It helps you work through the negative side that you see every day and um, we all um, Can make a difference you know We have to be idealistic and we can make a difference in somebody's life and that is the driving force Um, performing justice, providing hope, and changing people's lives. And that's the driving force that keeps us positive and motivated.
0: You sound like a superhero when you you say that, but it is really... A battle of good versus evil at times, correct?
1: At, at times it is. Um, you know, we often refer to the thin blue line and, and I talk to recruits at the academy about what that means and what that line means is police officers, regardless of where they work, they all take an oath um, to sacrifice their lives if necessary to protect others. And that's what that line stands for. Is um, It's a, a very cherished tradition and, that, and we value that oath um, tremendously when we step on that line
0: just hearing you you say that uh you know gives gives me chills i mean there has been a couple times in my role as principal where things have gotten a little dicey and i said to myself this person might hit me or i I better back up because this person might come after me but that's something that you face every day
1: yeah you know it's it's a difficult transition at first Um, they train you in the police academy um, to use your verbal skills to try to diffuse problems as much as possible Um, Roughly sixty thousand police officers are assaulted every year, um, so people unfortunately do want to hurt you when you're performing your jobs and um, you have to rely on your tactics your training um you're rely on each other your your brother and sister police officers um, to to do the right thing and to serve and to protect and even if it means getting assaulted or uh, or making that ultimate sacrifice
0: mm. chief um You always present, uh, you know, when I see you, you're so kind looking, you smile at people, you know, your leadership style, uh, you, you know. Certainly, you looked the part, you look professional, but I've never seen you as someone that I wouldn't describe as gruff or kind of you know, trying to scare people. Tell me about your leadership style and just the way you connect with not only your
1: officers but the community. Well, I truly believe in a participative leadership style where you participate and consult with those that are working for you, performing the work in the field, um, consulting with the public, um, developing a common mission. Um, and objectives that we can um, fulfill Um, working together is the key you know in in our role you 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 do not have to be that authoritarian figure all the time Um, you can get more accomplished by just being open with the public being transparent um, because ultimately everybody wants to have a safe community the police officers that are serving and the residents and the visitors that you're protecting Uh, so being open and transparent working together uh, we get more accomplished
0: And hearing you talk, um, Chief, it's bringing me to so many things with with school and being the leader in my school. You know, open and transparent is something that I say all the time, and I also think it's important as our role. Chief, you heard the opening segment about the variables that that come in our life, and you and I took the Seven Habits uh, uh, course of highly effective people. Um, Is that something, tell me about taking that course and how it impacted you and is that something that you've brought to your department and trying to work in that proactive manner.
1: And what I, what I found v- um very useful with the 7 habits is it helps it helps provide some foundation to our crazy lives. We all have crazy lives. We're we're parents. Um, we have um careers. We're trying to juggle all the responsibilities that um that we are faced with every day. And I found that um you know taking those 7 habits and It condenses my life and it actually provides focus for me, um, being more proactive, um, using my time more wisely to, um, to go and concentrate on those matters that really need focus and attention and to be successful.
0: And if chief, like I talked about in the opening segment about having people make an appointment or, you know, uh, but versus rescheduling because you need to deal with something. Tell me about when you make that decision in your mind, if there's a commotion out front and they're demanding to see the chief, when do you say, hey, that person needs to make an appointment versus you see something or hear something to say, you know what? I better handle this now or it's going to get worse.
1: I'm very blessed. I have um, supervisors at work every shift, um, sergeants, and um, they have full authority to make decisions and um, operate the station, um, supervise the police officers, and uh, they're well-trained. I invest a lot of resources into my sergeants to um, serve the public. And our sergeants, um, if the public demands to see a supervisor, our sergeants are typically uh, the person that he or she will see. Uh, they're very good about addressing problems and that's what they do very seldom do i have to step in and um you know assist Uh, i'm very i have the utmost confidence in their abilities and their people skills and their ability to solve problems well that's great
0: chief and that's one of the roles of, of leadership is to delegate and allow your people to do their thing so that's great to hear well thank you yeah chief you live here in town. Your children uh, have been in the school. I've had a, a great uh, opportunity to get to know uh, your older daughters. Uh, I know you have a little one as well. Is it hard to be the chief in the role that you fill here in town and live in the town? Is that is that a challenging thing?
1: You know, I, I don't know if... It's not difficult in that sense. Um, it's it becomes part of your life. It becomes who you are. Um, you know they they say when you're a police officer, you're a police officer 24 hours a day. But when I worked as a detective or a patrol officer, a sergeant, different ranks within the department, I was able to leave the job after a shift, and then be able to you know have a private life. Uh, and then go back to work, work my shift. But then as I, I grew in rank and um, became a police chief, I realized that it actually becomes part of your life seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, when you're out at the grocery store, you're the police chief. Um, when you're walking with your family or at a park or at a game, you're the police chief. When you're at the school event, you're the police chief. Um, so it's it becomes more of who you are, and, and you be, you listen to people's problems. I, um, You know, I'm approached often and um, I listen. My family has gotten very good at it. Uh, you go out to dinner, somebody may come up, oh, I'm sorry to bother you, I just need a minute of your time. Um, but you know, you're serve- we, we have to remember that we are serving the public. And um, I try to do the best that I can to serve regardless of where I am.
0: And that's a, a great answer, and uh, for you to realize that, it's, you know, it's very similar in my role. You and I have a lot of similarities Absolutely. here. I had Mayor Decker on uh, a few weeks ago, Chief, And we talked about some of the unfair expectations towards his children because he's the mayor. And, you know, your daughters did very well in school, but sometimes I felt bad that people expected them to be perfect all the time because they're the chief's daughters. You know, and that's an unfair expectation for a teenager.
1: No, I agree. It's it's difficult just being the child of a police officer and the expectations upon them. It's difficult in their shoes because um, the, the various hours that we work and the demands placed upon us. So, um, yeah, it's I know it's been difficult for them growing up. Yeah. Well,
0: they both did very well at school, and I'm looking forward in a few years. We got some time, though, before your little one. Comes. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chief, the name of this show is called Education, Leadership, and Beyond, and we talk about a lot of things in life and, and leadership. When you are looking to hire officers, um, you know, we look for people when we interview, we look for, for them to say at some point how they love kids, that they want to be around kids and be with kids as a teacher, What are things that you look for when you hire officers, things they might say or things they might uh, uh, display? What are some things that you look for?
1: We are looking for a positive attitude. We're looking for high integrity and ethics. Uh, We are looking at their educational levels. And um, also what's very important to us is we ask them, what have you done for your community before you have come to us to serve? Or to ask for a position to serve, we want to gauge: Have you volunteered? Um, because we find that those officers that have volunteered have given back um, throughout their life tend to even will tend to continue um, at that rate of service um, as a police officer, and you know that is the core of what we do. And uh, you have so many guys that I've gotten to know over the years
0: that are so engaging with the community and and do those things. The National Night Out that you run, Chief, what a great uh, thing for this community and really a great display of your department. You know that's a great. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. Hey, we look forward to it every year. Uh, it's a a lot of work, but we partner, you know, with the school and Operation PJ Pride and a variety of agencies to to put that program out for the public, and it gives us an opportunity to engage and just discuss um, challenges that we may face together, um, solutions, and to collaborate with each other. And and you and I, uh, you know,
0: Bud Williamson, the owner of the station, was in here before talking about how our jobs affect one another. Certainly, you have had interactions with our students that might be negative in nature, And then uh, we've had uh, students there that you've had, you know, we've been involved with. So we help one another and work work collaboratively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of collaboratively, you know, we have some neighbors here in Port Jervis. Uh, Pike County is right next door. Montague is right next door. Deer Park is right next door. Tell me about fostering relationships uh, with those police departments and, and how do you work with them?
1: very challenging to be a border city. Uh, We're the largest municipality in the tri-state area um, and to provide law enforcement services when, you know, you can stand in a tri-state rock in the city of Port Jervis and stand in New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Uh, So it's vital that we work together. Uh, Crime um, does not stay within borders. Uh, travels um, throughout different areas and uh, we must share information we must collaborate uh, we provide mutual aid interstate mutual aid um, whether it's the New Jersey State Police uh, the Eastern Pike Regional Police Deer Park Police Sheriff's Department or State Police I mean we're working together uh, because we want to we don't look at crime as a Port Jervis problem or a Matamoras problem or a Montague problem it's a tri-state communities problem and I know that the men and women that are serving are collaborating. We don't care where the arrest is made, or uh, we will put together the best case we possibly can to improve the quality of life.
0: Do you meet with the the leaders in those departments is regularly? Is that something that's on your schedule?
1: There's a there's an open dialogue, um, a routine open dialogue between the leaders of the departments, between the detectives that work in the departments, the officers. They all have a, they all enjoy a, an excellent working relationship.
0: That's great. That's great to hear, Chief. We are up against a commercial break, everyone. This is Chief Bill Warden on the air this morning on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We're on WDLC, wy Wall Radio, and now on Pocono 96.7. We will be right back, everyone, with Chief Bill Warden. And welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 19, and my guest today is Chief Bill Warden. Excellent music selection, Chief. These are some sing-along songs. Gavin and I are enjoying them. Good job on the (laughs) music selection. All right, thank you. You had commented off-air that picking the songs was a little more challenging than some of these questions.
1: It it was difficult because I like such a range of music, and um, reducing it down to to seven was not not an easy task.
0: And Chief... Again, you, you have a stressful job. You deal with a lot of stuff. Is music something where you maybe put on some of these songs? That, does that help soothe you, reduce your
1: stress a little bit? Absolutely. I, I enjoy listening to music, um, especially in the background, even while I'm working. Um, it just helps um, helps me focus.
0: Great, Chief. I don't have this on your question list. Again, talking about stress here. What are some things you do as a leader, though, to, to help counteract your stress? Do you? I mean, you're always in great shape. But you exercise. You do. You do something to help get the stress out.
1: I, I try to lead a um, an active life outside of um, the police department. I'm active with my children. I like playing sports with them. Um, I like to run. I have a mountain bike. I live right on the right near the trails. Uh, the city's new trail system. And, uh, yeah, I try to keep myself as busy as possible um, in order to reduce that stress, take Uh, my mind off things. That's right.
0: That's right. Uh, Chief, I want to ask you about some national issues. We talked about our community here in Port Jervis, but certainly if you watch the news and and, uh, you're you're up to date on things, there have been some very national public uh, incidents with police in terms of race in a number of different communities. Um, school safety is also a national issue uh, keeping our schools safe and and then the drug epidemic not only here in Port Jervis Uh, you and I have attended a lot of funerals together unfortunately but nationally so let me start with the issue of of race uh, chief we've watched some of these terrible scenes in, in communities in Missouri out in the Midwest how what do you do to to make sure things like that don't happen here and and how do you deal with issues of race here in Port Jervis?
1: Well, the the key is is community policing. That is at the core um, of successfully policing a community. Remember the I always, as Sir Robert Peel, always advocated. Um, the police are the community, and the community are the police. Um, it's vital that in our everyday actions. And my, I'm very blessed. I have a professional highly professional staff of community-oriented police officers that every day um, are serving um, with dignity and pride and um, with kindness towards the public. Uh, they build relationships in all their interactions. So the key is, is to constantly um, support those efforts, constantly engage the public, um, constantly have police officers seen in a different light, not just in the enforcement um, mode, but in the community um, service mode. Um, so officers are present in the schools. Uh, they're present at community events. They're out on the beat as much as possible, getting out of their car. I have officers playing basketball on the street, um, giving, you know, sometimes playing for some ice cream. Uh, so that is the key. It's the way you treat the public and the way you serve the public. Um, is, is the ingredient for successfully keeping the public and the police together as one. One of the positive things, I, I, I don't know if I got to your office yet, but they,
0: they came to us, your department, about uh, the high school kids developing a, a, a coloring book with the Port Shermys uh, Police.
1: Absolutely. Very excited to, to launch that project. I know Detective Robertson is, is working to... Um, with your staff to do that and um yeah it's just another opportunity to engage our youth um to see police officers in a different light
0: and it's going to be authentic to port jervis our vehicles yes our
1: our, our people and
0: uh that'll be great chief you know sometimes when there's an incident and and people are pointing towards the police because they did something wrong and you know then then the department will release a, a tape of actually what happened you mentioned about transparency and then people say oh the officer was justified, you know. Is that something that that you have? Are our officers? Do we have body cams and those cameras in the car? And and is that something about that you teach your officers that you know? Hey, th- we're on tape. We're in the public eye, and is that something you talk about with? Uh, your, absolutely.
1: Your- I mean, we have um, cameras in the station. Our our main phone line is recorded. Um, our tasers have cameras on them. Uh, our patrol cars have um, in-car cameras, and in, in all marked patrol units. Um, our officers have been working to test body cameras. Uh, it's it's a big expense to enact a program, but we are diligently working at you know trying to find a solution to that. Um, and is that so,
0: is that something your officers want, or is that something like, hey, no, we're not doing it.
1: like? No, I I have a, a proactive group of of officers that um that always look to the future. Um, they they have the drive to serve. They realize that times are changing, and they are changing with the times. Uh, they want to be as transparent as possible because, you know, you see things happening on TV, but I think that's just a small, actually a small, small minority of what police officers do every day. Um, 99.9% of police officers every day are doing the right thing. Yeah. Chief,
0: we've had a great relationship working with the schools um and and unfortunately we've seen too many school shootings uh over our time Tell me about your stance on, on working closely with our schools, and and what does the Port Jervis Police and Deer Park Police, you know, what do you guys actively do to help protect the schools?
1: We are very blessed to have a fantastic relationship with, with our school system. We work very collaboratively together to provide programs within the schools. We get police officers throughout various grades, um, having the opportunity to read to students, teach about citizenship, um, teach DARE. So the officers are in and out of the schools every day. Um, our officers from Deer Park in Port Jervis. trained together to respond to an emergency at the schools. The schools allow us their facilities. uh, But we don't just limit it at that. We have actually Eastern Pike Regional Police training with us, the New York State Police, the Orange County Sheriff's Department. We are collaborating with all agencies that we can possibly bring into the uh, the team to protect our schools. Um, If you look around, our officers are routinely patrolling the schools. We have a joint mutual aid response with Deer Park um, to all school buildings for any um, serious emergency. Um, It's a priority to protect our young people and I've felt that as principal
0: whenever I've asked for anything whether it's been you or, or Deer Park that I sense something might happen or chief at dismissal, we heard some rumblings, I need a car, could you do this? Um, you guys have been fantastic uh, very proactive and uh, we welcome the officers in the school. We, we don't want that as a scare tactic but more of a, a, a support tactic that, that you guys are here to help us.
1: And the officers are there on a, you know, it's a basis where they can speak with staff, students, they're, they're seen in a different light um, but their presence will help protect them as well um, but if you look at a case in point our collaboration if you remember a couple of years ago we had a lot of problems on the trails we worked together the school and the city um, to clean up those trails to we painted a, a building that was unsightly on the trails improved lighting i um, got the message out stay off the trails and a, a lot of problems subsided because of that collaboration between the school and the department so uh, I'm a firm believer in collaborations and solving community problems. And if you're listening to the show in
0: Port Jervis, the chief brought up one of those things that is a thorn in my side, those trails. Uh, We want to eventually I have a vision to, to try to make that, uh, a park where it's literally a path. There's so many kids that still try to go through there. Uh, I would love to see the, the coming together of agencies and uh, the owners of that property, if we we're able to make that happen, where it is a, a lit trail, whether it's a bike trail or a skateboarding place that, that the kids can go, because it is between the two properties of the schools. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if you're listening and you, you know that, and uh, maybe you could get to the Chief of ride to, to see about how we could do that, but I'd love to see that one day uh chief i know you were recently at the school there was a uh, a community forum on opioids um you know this is something that we are extremely proactive and transparent in the schools trying to get to the younger kids our dare program but tell me about the port jervis police mindset in in combating drugs and educating about drugs in our community
1: we we truly prioritize um the prevention aspect the education aspect we have a new program that we launched um about three years ago in the middle school too good for drugs program it was a collaboration between the school district um, operation pj pride um, catholic charities uh, so we have a police officer teaching um, drug prevention with um, mr graham the health teacher and an employee with um, orange county adac uh, so We're also starting to to branch out to the younger children to to start the prevention message age-appropriate earlier in their lives. Uh, We're working with Neighborhood Watch, having forums throughout the city to address the opiate problem. Um, Our officers all carry Narcan, and uh, last year we saved 18 um, persons from from dying from an overdose. Uh, This epidemic is affecting everyone, and we're working together as a community to try to stop it.
0: We're in the studio with Gavin Bird here. He has a question for the chief.
2: My question is, and this relates to something I feel I've seen nationally, but a lot of people say that the heroin problem has been caused by overprescription of, you know, uh, Percocet, et cetera, similar drugs, and then a lot of people who get on that move to heroin. But what I find frustrating is I don't think... America talks enough about the people especially young people who start out with something like marijuana and then as a gateway drug they move on to heroin or they they start with heroin because it's cool because whatever it feels good etc. My question for you is in the city of Port Jervis or even from what you hear from law enforcement outside of Port Jervis anywhere in America how much of it is an opioid, I'm sorry, prescription problem going on to heroin and how much of it is you know, more of a gateway drug marijuana to heroin problem, if that makes sense.
1: Well, it's a good question. We find that it, there's, there's mixed results to that, to those studies. Ultimately, it has been shown that marijuana is a gateway drug, and we find that many young persons that experiment with heroin um, have used marijuana in the past and, and started as a gateway. We're also finding that a large percentage of heroin users were actually prescribed a prescription opiate for some type of injury, maybe they were involved in a car accident, and then unfortunately became addicted to the opiate. Uh, when they were unable to obtain those pills, or those medications that they were prescribed, uh, they were forced to turn to the cheaper, um, but very similar, um, heroin. Uh, so there is, there's, it depends on the, the age groups that are involved here. Um, we find that the younger um, users typically did use marijuana and then worked Um, work into an addiction to heroin. Uh, So it it is it is a mixed. We all hope to
0: work collaboratively together to help counteract this problem. And we always end our show with go out and change the world to make it a better place. And uh, we need all of us to help in this community to help combat drugs. We are up against a break here. We have our guest today is Chief Bill Warden. And we'll be right back with the chief with our write in portion of the show. Here on Education Leadership and Beyond Surviving and Thriving. WDLC, WYNY Wall Radio, and Pocono 967. And welcome back, everyone, to Education Leadership and Beyond Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 19. My name is Andrew Murata, and we are having a great time with Chief Bill Warden from the Port Jervis Police. Before we get back to the Chief, this is the write-in portion of the show. You can send in comments, questions, concerns, uh, and your thoughts on the show. Andrew at NeverSyncMediaGroup.com or you can hit me up on Twitter at AndrewMirada21. You could also check out my website and leave some feedback there, AndrewMirada.com. And uh, my book is out, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving. You can find that on Amazon, my website, as well as the other online retailers. A quick summary of today's show. Uh, We talked about adapting to variables in your life. Here in the studio, uh, we are in a padded room, a, a quiet room. No outside variables affecting us here on the air. And how can you deal with those variables when they affect you in the real world, out uh, in the real life? Number one, you could take a deep breath and take some think time before you respond. Number two, you can put it on your schedule. Number three, you can answer by rule or by law and then give a consistent and fair answer. Number four. You can uh, treat everyone fairly. You don't have to treat them all the same, but you can treat everyone fairly. Number five, you can adjust. You can reorganize your schedule if you need to. Number six, it's not personal. Don't take it personal. And number seven, have a proactive mindset in dealing with these things that come at you each and every day. And speaking of dealing with things that come at you all the time, we welcome back our guest, Chief Bill Warden. Uh, Chief, I appreciate you being on today with your busy busy schedule. Uh, This is a write-in portion of the show, and we did get a question sent in. The question reads, if the Port Jervis Police Department was given a million-dollar grant, what would you do with it and why?
1: I would invest those resources into crime prevention, assigning uh, more officers um, into community service roles, uh, working with the schools, working with um, neighborhoods to um, proactively engage and solve problems. Okay. And a million dollars can go a long way.
0: Uh, would there be any type equipment or would there be any, uh, any other type things you would do or would you invest? at all in the in the manpower
1: well i would um invest it into our juvenile aid office um, perhaps adding another detective to um proactively serve our youth um always um, providing equipment to enhance the safety of officers and the training to enhance their safety. A uh, million dollars would definitely go a long way with helping accomplish that.
0: And it would go quick, too. I know it, it could would be spent quick. <laughs> Your cars always do look fantastic, oh, Thank the way. You. I did want to compliment you on that. Chief, the next section is the rapid fire question. I'm going to ask you a number of questions. If there's any you do want to expand upon, we'll give you a little leeway, but a quick answer. Okay? So the last book you read.
1: All right. George Washington's Secret Six, the Spy Ring, and I'm now reading Washington: A Life by um, Ron Chernow. I'm a student of George Washington. Wow, how about that? Excellent leader. He was the people's president. Um, He overcame obstacles that are unheard of um, during the Revolution um, for independence, and um, obstacles that that resonate today: lack of funding, lack of equipment, things that we all deal with. um, But he overcame those obstacles. So he's a great man, a great leader, and I enjoy. Spending my leisure time reading about How about that his success. Give me those. Give me those names again, uh, Chief. Uh, so it, it was George Washington's Secret Six, uh, the spy ring that um, saved the American Revolution, and then Washington a life.
0: We might have to get those out on President's Weekend and uh, do a little bit. That's great. How about the last movie you
1: saw? It was uh, The Equalizer by Denzel Washington. My wife and I watched that just a couple nights ago. A little date night? <laughs> just Nah, just at home, um, hanging out, and uh, we don't get a lot of time to do that. And uh, I don't watch, unfortunately, you know, I don't get a lot of time to watch television.
0: I love Denzel. Last thing you did recently that got your adrenaline going, not related to a, a stressful event at work.
1: We took a fabulous trip out to Colorado, spent time with family, took a Jeep ride up um, to about 12,500 feet in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, it was fabulous. Wow. Did you drive out west, Chief? I did. I did you... Drove out west. How about that? That's great.
0: Um, besides your job and your family, what is something that you are most proud
1: of? Uh, I'm proud of the fact that I... I um, became a part-time college professor at SUNY Orange. I'm enjoying that. And um, I'm very proud of, I'm just, I'm very proud of the work that my officers are doing each and every day and the professionalism that they display um, and the collaboration of the community. They, they stand truly behind us. We are part of the community. So I'm very proud of that. That's something I feel um, is, is, is vital.
0: Gavin, are we going to allow them to have that answer that was related to work, but it was pretty good. Going to keep that in? Sure. He's going to make the cut with that? Chief, last question. Where are you going to be in five years?
1: Well, uh, I do have a um, a mixed bag of ages in my family. I have a a very young daughter. So I think I'm still going to be here serving as a police chief. And I, I look forward to doing that for the next five years.
0: You're doing a great job. You are one of the faces of the community. You've been an asset to our schools and our children. I'm super proud to have you on the show today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity.
0: Before we uh, head out here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, next week's guest is New York Times bestselling author and columnist, For the Washington Post, he's a big sports fan. Author John Feinstein is going to be our guest uh, next week. Uh, I think we're going national. We've had a couple uh, of people that are are well-known around the country, but uh, Mr. Feinstein will be our our national guest. That's next week. And uh, we have our quote to end our show. I mentioned it earlier, but you may not have heard it here um, for the whole show. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. So take some think time and respond appropriately when these things are happening to you in your life. That is all, everyone, on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Surviving and Thriving. Again, on WDLC, WYNY Wall Radio, and now on Pocono 96.7. Go out and change the world for the better.